You're listening to Westside Church. For more information, visit us at westsideinfo.com. Um, anyway, it's great to, uh, to, to be with everybody here this morning. I just, uh, the love of God is overwhelming. Uh, God is so good. And um, for those of you that have had a relationship or maybe even a new relationship with him, you understand uh, how much we need him. And some of these songs we sang and uh, just how, how great he is. The presence of his Holy Spirit is with us all the time. Uh, what he did for us, we could never repay. All those wonderful things. So, man, it's so good. I was uh, reading um, in my own time with the Lord this week, and I came across some verses in uh, Luke chapter 8, and it's the parable of, of the sower went out to sow. Jesus is telling a story. A parable is a simple story with a huge meaning. And um, he said some of, the, some of the seed went on the pathway, the road, and the birds immediately came and took the seed away, and some, some went on rocky soil, and it immediately sprang up and grew, but since it was only a couple inches deep, which is kind of like around here, uh, when the sun came out, it all wilted and uh, didn't last because it didn't have roots. And uh, some went in the good soil, and it produced a harvest of 30, 60, or 100-fold. And then Jesus followed it up with um, these words in Luke eight eighteen. Um, take care then how you hear. Take care how you hear. Not take care who you hear from or take care what you hear, but take care how you hear. Is your heart rocky soil this morning? Are you going to go, oh yeah, like this, but then there's no fruit because it didn't have any depth. Is it going to just be plucked right away? Or is your heart prepared uh, with good soil tilled over, ready to receive uh, God's word, because he's speaking all the time. He's speaking already during the song time. He's speaking, going to speak during the preaching time. He's going to speak when your little kids talk to you, or your husband or wife talks to you, or friends, or somehow, some way, you're going to hear something, and it's God speaking. So take care how you hear. Being hearers of the word, not hearers only, but doers of the word as well. It's a big deal. So, Father, I pray... Uh, that your word today would go into fertile soil, uh, that we would be hearers of your word and doers of, of your word. We thank you for this privilege we have now in Jesus' name. Amen. 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 We're on part two of a, uh, a, a scripture that's been misquoted. And here's the misquote is, money is the root of all evil. Right? Money is the root of all evil. That's one of the most quoted Bible verses uh, in, in our culture, and it's a misquote because that's not in the Bible. So we're going to be talking about that. So we started last week. I didn't get through. It's about five times, I think, in 16 years that I haven't gotten through a sermon and pushed it over into two weeks. And so we're going to do uh, part two today of, let's say it together, money, 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 money. All right. So this is our favorite subject that we like to talk about. And, and uh, if you don't come to church very often, sometimes... Uh, uh, the church is accused of talking about money too often, but I want to tell you this. From the bottom of my heart, that what I'm going to preach to you today and tell you today, I believe it, and I believe that it's for your highest. I could not look you in the eye and tell you that this is for your best if I didn't believe it. I hate, I 
hate to be manipulated. Anybody with me like this? And I don't like manipulating others, but I do believe in telling people the truth. Jesus said the truth will set you free. And so that's what we're um, uh, getting into this morning. So uh, money is the root of all evil is a big misquote. And we're going to approach the Word of God during this summer series on, on misused, misquoted, misunderstood scripture verses. Uh, these five ways we approach God's Word in humility. We don't think we know it all. We're not it. We are part of it. Uh, we read from the text and not into the text. We don't just uh, take our favorite doctrine and search out a verse that supports it uh, out of context. And uh, we do understand, uh, we work. It actually takes work to understand the context of the, of the Scripture. And we let Scripture interpret Scripture. That We're going to really key in on that one this week uh, and let the whole Bible talk about this thing about money. Uh, we apply, this is a big deal, we apply the Scripture to ourselves. So when you're confronted with truth, are you going to actually do it? Are you going to apply it to your life and ask God for the grace to do that? So here's the actual scripture, 1 Timothy 6.10. For the love of money is a root of all kinds of evils. It is through this craving that some have wandered away from the faith and pierced themselves with many pangs. So the principle here is not all desires, but many desires. It's not money, but it's the love of money. It's not all money, but the love of money. It's not all evil. Uh, but lots of kinds of evil are the root there of, the, of loving money. So let me make this clear. Nowhere in the Bible does it say that it's wrong to have money, and nowhere in the Bible does it say it's wrong to have lots of it. Jesus did say, you cannot serve two masters. You cannot serve God and money. So only one will be your master, and you can't have both. That, that's something Jesus said. We can't argue uh, with that. So it's not a sin uh, to be rich. And um, don't forget that there's nothing wrong with having money as long as money doesn't have you. All right? So I'm going to read another snapshot of the early church. Last week we wrote, uh, read out of uh, Acts chapter 4, I think. And this is a picture in, in Corinthians that Paul is writing this letter to the church at Corinth. And this is one of the most descriptive or prescriptive scriptures about money in the New Testament. So let's just take this little picture here. And Paul is specifically talking about offerings. And I'll review it in just a minute. We talked about tithe and we talked about offerings and what the difference is between those. So first, uh, 2 Corinthians 9, 6 through 12, Paul says, Remember this, a farmer who plants only a few seeds will get a small crop, but the one who plants generously will get a generous crop. Now, here is the law of sowing and reaping. Sowing and reaping is a big deal. This is something that you've got to teach your kids early and often and your grandkids. Whatever you sow, that's what you will reap. So when you plant an apple seed, you're going to get an apple tree. You're not going to get an orange tree. You're going to get what you plant. When kids would come up to me as a former school teacher on the playground, I don't have any friends. I would always tell them, if you want friends, be a friend. Sow the seeds of friendship, and you'll get back a generous harvest. And so, just a little example right now, a little test. Turn to your neighbor. 
Now, there's about 8% of you that refuse to do anything I tell you, so don't <laughs> just look past those people. Look past those people to another person who's a willing participant. Look at your neighbor and smile. Big smile. Look at your neighbor. Go ahead. Come on. I know some of you feel funny. Okay, so what happened? Not only did you smile, but you got back a smile, and you probably got back a bigger smile than you gave. In fact, there was a growing, if I hadn't stopped it, there would have been this growing ripple of laughter and talking, and I would never have gotten you back. And so that's this law of sowing and reaping. And uh, so we can sow seeds of generosity, reap that we can sow seeds of mercy and receive back. We can sow seeds of forgiveness. Whatever we sow, we're going to reap back. If we sow seeds of discord, or if we sow seeds of anger, we don't want to sow those seeds. We want to crush those and make sure they never get planted and and root those out. So you must each decide in your heart how much to give. Lots of times we talk about description, like they all sold their property and laid it at the apostles' feet. That's not telling us to do that. That's not prescriptive. It's descriptive. This here is prescriptive. That means he's telling us what to do by the power of the Holy Spirit. Speaking this to us, you must each decide in your heart how much to give. That's very prescriptive. It's between you and the Lord. It's a, it's a, it, uh, if you're a believer, it's the fear of Almighty God. I'm going to say, this is what I do, and I'm going to decide. And then, uh, don't give reluctantly or in response to pressure. For God loves a person who gives cheerfully. And that Greek word there is actually the word where we get hilarious. God loves a hilarious giver. I am so glad to give to you, God, because you have given me more than I could ever give back. And God will generously provide all you need. That's a promise to the one who gives, as he's determined between him and the Lord. Then you'll always have everything you need and plenty left over to share with others. As the scriptures say, they share freely and give generously to the poor. Their good deeds will be remembered forever. For God is the one who provides seed for the farmer and then bread to eat. In the same way, he will provide and increase your resources, and then produce a great harvest of generosity in you. So it's not, we don't plant to get, all right, look what God gave me back. No, we plant to get so that we can plant even more to get even more, and then we become this cycle, this conduit of, of being the hand of God, the generosity of God in our, in, in our sphere of influence, representing the goodness and the kindness and the generosity of Almighty God. And so... Um, yes, you'll be enriched in every way so that you can always be generous. And when we take our gifts to those who need them, they'll thank God. So two things will result from this ministry of giving. The needs of the believers in Jerusalem will be met and they're joyful, they'll, they will joyfully express their thanks to God. Now, when we give generously, people thank God for what they received and uh, their needs will be met. Isn't that amazing? So, remember last week, we started, we're going to do just a five-minute review of last week. It all comes down to heart. It all comes down to ownership. Who owns you? Who owns your stuff? So, speaking to believers, people who have said yes to Jesus, when we said yes to Jesus, we stepped off the throne of our life. 
and we invited him to be king. It's, if there's a kingdom, there's a king. And when you have a king, the king owns everything. We don't have much to do with that in our culture. We don't, we, it's hard for us to relate to royalty and majesty and things like that because we were the rebels, right? And we rebelled against uh, Great Britain. We kicked out all the dukes and the kings. We raised our kids to call each other, yes, sir. Everybody's royalty in our culture. You sit down at the restaurant. What do you want within 15 seconds? Cold water, all right? If you don't get over here, everybody's looking around. Why aren't I being served? That's just our nature of of the culture that we're in. Uh, But we step off that little kingdom throne that we have, and we invite Jesus to be there, and now he's in charge. He owns our stuff. He owns our talents and our abilities. It's all because of him. If we have a brain, it's because he gave it to us. If we have a will to work and get a job, it's because of what he's given to us. We acknowledge him as our source. The earth is the Lord's and everything in it, the world and all who live in it. So remember, this isn't a salvation issue. You can go to heaven and be stingy. It doesn't say, thou shalt tithe and go to heaven. It says, if you believe in Jesus and what he did and confess that he's your Lord, then you're going to heaven. So this isn't one of those issues to get you into heaven. You don't pay your way into heaven. This is out of gratitude and out of gratefulness for what he did do for us. Number two, the tithe. We can't really talk about giving in the New Testament under the New Covenant without talking about the tithe. So back, back in uh, Malachi chapter 3, uh, the prophet says, bring the full tithe. Actually, this is the Lord speaking. Bring the full tithe into the storehouse. The word tithe means tenth that there may be food in my house. So the storehouse is where you're provided for, where you're provisioned. It's where you eat, so to speak. It's where you get your sustenance. And so for us in our day, that's the local church. It's, the, it's, it's where people visit you when you're sick and they bring meals when you're having a surgery and they, they, they know your name uh, and they know your kids' names and, and people around. As much as you make yourself known, that's how it's going to be amazing. That's the storehouse there. And thereby put me to the test, says the Lord of hosts, if I will not open the windows of heaven for you and pour down for you a blessing until there is no more need. Who has ever received a blessing until there's no more need? Stop blessing me, Lord. I don't, ah, it's too much, like this. Some of you have come close. All right? Because God is a wonderful uh, provider. Then he says in verse 11, I will rebuke the devourer for you. In this case, for the children of Israel, it was locust eating their crops. In our case, it's decay and rust and thieves and just stuff breaks like this. And God will stand in front of you and your stuff and he'll say, I rebuke the devourer so that behind that protection of the Lord, so the tithe is for our protection. That's what it was. When, when God rebuked the devourer over the children of Israel while they were in the, in the desert for 40 years, their sandals didn't wear out, their tents didn't wear out, their clothes didn't wear out, none of that wore, wore out because God said, I'm rebuking the devourer. Your stuff is not going to uh, erode away. So when we trust God with the tithe, he brings in protection. Now, number three, this is God's challenge to us. This is the only place in scripture where God says, try me, test me. He says, try me. If you don't, if, 
listen, I know it's hard to understand when you when somebody says, I can't even live on 100% and you want me to live on 90%? Are you kidding me? And God says, try me and see if I won't open for you the windows of heaven until there's a blessing you can't contain. So I grew up in church. My dad was a pastor. Terry's dad was a pastor. And we grew up doing this. And we knew that it was good to be generous and all this stuff. But we didn't have a revelation of this. We didn't have a conviction of this until we were young adults. And we had nothing, absolutely nothing. We, uh, I think it was Terry's mom who said, Steve, Terry couldn't even rub two nickels together. And, and um, nicely she said it. because she, she, she loves us. But she was just stating a fact. And, uh, yeah, she might come here and you meet her someday, so I don't want to say, oh, like this. So she's my mom's best friend. They've been best friends since junior high, and so she's a wonderful lady. But she was just stating a fact. We had nothing. And then that one Sunday, we looked at each other, and we prayed over at a church, and we're committed to give $25 a month. And that would be like, for us in those days, it would be like $25,000 above. Because it was just crazy. And then immediately, something in us changed. We began to take a sense of ownership on our corporateness, on our body, our family that God had given us. Immediately, this, we, we felt like we were part of this. And part of what God is doing a great thing here. And people are getting healed and fixed up and coming to Jesus. And, and all this kind of stuff. We felt part of that. And then it was just a couple months later where we took the plunge and we just said 10%. We're going to give 10%. And after we put in and, and decided that, we started tithing. We didn't feel we were under the law because we're not under the law. But we felt that this was a truth in God's word to put him to the test. That next 30 days, we had four financial miracles that, we, that you hear about all the time. Big check in the mail, a job. I got a new job where I made seven times as much as I was making before. And moved to a new house and just some things. And so you can never, ever, ever, ever tell me that God's word isn't true when he says, test me, try me, and see if I won't open for you the windows of heaven. And ever since that day, we've said, okay, this is our conviction. It's not just a preference. I prefer vanilla ice cream over chocolate. This is a conviction. A conviction is something that we will do until the day we die. And so uh, that was a big deal. So that's the only place in Scripture where God says, try me. Try me and see if I won't open for you the windows of heaven. So we see the tithe is for our protection. And then there's offerings. That's Every place in Scripture where we just read there in Corinthians, every time we see offerings, that's seed. That's planting seed. The, the tithe we bring to the Lord. And, and, and um, the offering is seed that we sow. That's where 30, 60, or 100-fold comes from. So, um, so number four, offerings. That's production and multiplication, whereas it's giving, not bringing. The tithe is bringing, but uh, offerings are giving. And so that's actually a command Jesus gave in Luke 6, 38. Give and you'll receive. Your gift will return to you in full, pressed down, shaken together to make room for more, running over and poured into your lap. The amount you give will determine the amount you get back. Jesus is not only talking about money there, he's talking about mercy. He's talking about forgiveness. He's talking about uh, justice and judging, all those things that we sow will, will get back a good harvest. So let me uh, just ask the question I asked last week. I've gone over five minutes of review. Sorry. 
Uh, but this is really good. God gave us a lot of stuff. And here's a quick list. You can go back and listen to last week's message or get those notes. He's given us His Son. He's given us true life, the abundant life. He's given us His Holy Spirit. He's given us grace. He's given us rights as His children. He's given us an inheritance as His children. He's given us spiritual gifts. He's given us comfort. And God has given us wisdom. He's given us a spirit of power and love and a sound mind. He's given us an area of influence. And He's given us eternal life. And He's given us hope and freedom and destiny and fellowship and a body. And over and over and over and over and over He's given, given, given. You cannot outgive God. Isn't that good news? So this week, uh, just going to add to this, continue on. Who do we give to? Well, we give to the Lord. We give to the Lord. What we give, we give as to the Lord. When you do your job to give as to the Lord, then your job is over. And you, you're clear before the Lord, what you determine between you and the Lord. Matthew uh, 23, 23. How terrible it will be for you teachers of religious law and you Pharisees. Jesus was rebuking the Pharisees, hypocrites, for you're careful to tithe even the tiniest part of your income they were tithing mint and dill, little, little herb gardens in their window. And here's a tenth of my mint, like this. And I found out recently that mint keeps mosquitoes away. That's pretty good. Just crush that little leaf, wave the branch around, and uh, either the smell is or the branch waving around keeps them away. I don't know, one of those other. So, but it worked. <laughs> But you ignore the more important things of the law, justice and mercy and faith. Those are big deals. Jesus is saying, don't tie this kind of stuff and then ignore justice and mercy and all that stuff. These are greater things. And so then he said, yes, you should tithe, but you should not leave the undone the more important things. So that's just something uh, that Jesus said. He had a chance to actually endorse the tithe there. We give to whoever asks. This is a big deal. Matthew 5.42, give to the one who asks you. Okay, turn to your friend and ask for 100 bucks. No, I'm just kidding. We better not do that one. All right, because we have to. Give to the one who asks you, and do not turn away from the one who wants to borrow from you, even those who steal from you. Wow, this is getting down and dirty here. This is Jesus really instructing us about our heart issue and attitude toward money. In Luke 6.30, he says, Give to everyone who asks you, and if anyone takes what belongs to you, do not demand it back. Wow. Why? It's not my stuff. It's God's. It all belongs to Him. So, just a thought on this, a little wisdom on this. God gave you a brain, and He gave you, by His Holy Spirit, discernment. So use your brain and use your discernment when people are taking advantage of you unnecessarily, and use your wisdom. Sometimes I've given people, and I don't, I don't generally give people money on the street who ask me for it, because I'm not going to support whatever habit they have, uh, but I'll usually say to them, I'll go over here and buy you lunch. You know, at McDonald's or something like that. Or I'll put some gas in your car, but I'm not going to give you cash. Occasionally, God says, give them cash. 
I just feel in my spirit that God says, give them cash. And I have a release to do that. So if I give them 10 bucks or something, I know very well what they're going to do with it. But that's not my problem. When you're obeying the Lord. Because I don't know. I mean, I think I know, but I don't know. And so God says, do that and be generous. So we do. Uh, we give to the needy. Matthew 6, 2, when you give to someone in need, don't do as the hypocrites do, blowing trumpets in the synagogues and streets to call attention uh, to their acts of charity. That's a big one. They were putting money in the collection box, which is a box. It's a metal box outside the, the temple. And people were mostly putting in silver. Very rarely would you hear a clunk of a gold coin. That would, be, that would get everybody's attention. Mostly silver. Clunk, clunk, clunk. And then this widow comes along and she puts in two pennies, tiny copper pennies. And if you see, they're like about the quarter of the size of our dime. And she put those in, plink, plink. And you know that got everybody's attention. They all turned this way. And Jesus said, you see that lady over there? She gave more than everybody else. Do you know why? Because she gave everything she had. And these people just gave out of their excess right here in the scripture blowing trumpets and making a big deal about when they give money Mother Teresa said this if you can't feed a hundred people just feed one you know start where you can uh, Proverbs eleven twenty five. I love this one a generous man will prosper it's one of my favorite verses I have tried to live by this verse I try to tip more than is normal. I, and every time I do, I just say, thank you, Lord, for providing, providing for me. Your word says a generous man will prosper. So if you, instead of giving $1, give 2 Instead of giving, heaven forbid, 15%, try 20%. You know, oh, go way out of your comfort zone and go 22%. You know, some of the restaurants now, you're on an app, you slide this thing, and you can slide it to where 18% or 20% or whatever. Just be generous. And say this, according to God's word, a generous man will prosper. Ladies, that applies to you as well. The desperate we give to, Matthew ten forty two. if anyone gives even a cup of cold water to one of these little ones, because he's my disciple, I tell you the truth, he certainly will not lose his reward. We give to the government. <laughs> this is our favorite one, right? The government, all right? Jesus said, give to Caesar what is Caesar's and to God what is God's. All you got to do is travel to a third world country. And you see, you know, potholes in the road or horrible conditions. And you come back to, to the culture that God put us in. We go, man, this is, I'm, I'm really blessed to be able to live here. Don't forget the Bible says, to whom much is given, much is required. We give to the poor. Jesus looked at him and loved him. One thing he, you lack, he said, go sell everything you have and give to the poor. And you'll have treasure in heaven, then come follow me. This is one of those descriptions. It's not a prescription. It's not telling you to go sell everything you have and give to the poor, unless God tells you, go sell everything you have and give to the poor. This is what this young man needed. He was a rich young ruler, and that was his hang-up, was his stuff. So he said to Jesus, I've obeyed everything my whole life. I've never, I've never uh, not obeyed a, a commandment. And Jesus said, oh, you're, you're, you answered, well, that's good. Now go sell everything. And he went away sorrowful because he had a lot of money. 
He had money, and his money had him. Jesus said further in Luke 12, 33, Sell your possessions, give to the poor. Provide purses for yourselves that will not wear out, a treasure in heaven that will not be exhausted, where no thief comes near and no moth destroys. I'm telling you, that whatever you sow in Jesus' name here, you're putting it into your eternal retirement account. Uh, somehow, some way, I don't know how it works. I don't actually think I'll have a bank book when I get to heaven. But somehow, some way, God credits it to you uh, when you sow into uh, eternity here on earth. We give to his followers. He said, you give them something. That he was speaking about his followers. The next question is, how do we give? We give as a servant. Whoever can be trusted with very little can also be trusted with much. And whoever is dishonest with very little will be dishonest with much. So, if you have not been trustworthy in handling worldly wealth, who will trust you with true riches? And if you have not been trustworthy with someone else's property, who will give you property of your own? No servant can serve two masters. Either he will hate the one and love the other, or he'll be devoted to the one and despise the other. You cannot serve both God and money. It's very clear. Jesus is teaching his followers. You can't serve God and money. You're going to hate the one and, dis- or, and love the other or despise the one and, and whatever. You can't do both. So who is the one that you follow? So we give with an all-in attitude. Jesus said in Luke 14, 33, in the same way, anyone who does not give up everything he has cannot be my disciple. That's when we give our lives to Jesus. It's all in. Everything I have, God, everything I ever will be, ever hope to be is all yours. I'm all in. We give with gratitude. But Zacchaeus stood up and said to the Lord, look, Lord. That's out of the NIV and the ESV. He says, Lord, first. I preached on that before that the shortest sinner's prayer in the Bible is Zacchaeus here. He says, Lord. The moment Zacchaeus says, Lord, everything in his life changes from that point on. When he puts Jesus in his proper place as king of his life. I give half of my possessions to the poor and if I've cheated anybody out of anything, I'll pay him back four times the amount. I could not figure that out when I was a kid. I knew that I was pretty good at arithmetic, but if he gives half of everything, he, everything he got was what he stole, Zacchaeus. He was a tax collector. So he stole from everybody. So he gave half of it away to the poor. And then if he stole anything from anybody, he had to give four times as much. I go, how did he have enough money to do that? Like I couldn't figure it out. So somebody, one of you can. Maybe he had good investments, a good advisor, so he multiplied his money somehow. But tradition tells us that Zacchaeus traveled and did apostolic work. He was a follower of Christ from that day on. He simplified his life, and he went and told everybody everywhere about Jesus. We give with purity. Jesus sat down near the collection box in the temple and watched as the crowds dropped in their money. Many rich people put in large amounts. Then a poor widow came and dropped in two small coins. Jesus called his disciples to him and said, I tell you the truth, this poor widow has given more than all the others who are making contributions, for they gave a tiny part of their surplus. But she, poor as she is, has given everything she had to live on. You cannot outgive God. So 
At Westside, what we see in the scriptures, we see the tithe. That's for your protection. We see offerings. That's for multiplication. Out of offerings, there's a couple specific types of offerings that we also give to. One is the poor. That's an offering. The difference between a tithe and an offering is the tithe is what you bring to the Lord. That belongs to him. The offering is seed that you're sowing. You can kind of direct it where you want. I want it to go to kids' ministry. I want it to go to missions. I want it to go to, you know, whatever uh, for offerings. And so maybe you're going to help somebody out. The Lord says, help this person out. So that's above and beyond your tithe. You help them out personally. It's between you and the Lord, and he'll bless those uh, kind of things. And then we also have a fifth way, and that's just a generous lifestyle. Some people don't have money going through their fingers. And so, but they have talents or abilities or somehow, some way. Um, young people, you don't have a lot of money. Babysit for a young family with a lot of little kids and let them go out on a date. That's, a, that's an offering that you can give that doesn't cost you much and don't charge them. Yeah. So when I was a kid, I made 50 cents an hour. Now they're making like 80 bucks an hour for, <laughs> for babysitting. I'm going to take that job. Okay, so. Okay, here's the bottom line of all this. We have legalism and we have grace. I tell you what, me and the elders here, we are going to do everything we can, everything humanly and everything by the power of Almighty God to keep our people free. We do not want you to be bound up in legalism and just check a bunch of rules. That is death. That's going to strangle you. That's constricting and binding. That is what is actually religion, just following a checklist. That's legalism. Over here is grace. The grace of God. So this is kind of like Old Testament. They had a bunch of rules to follow. It all had to do with their actions. Their heart could be anywhere. They just had to do it. In fact, all through Deuteronomy, read Deuteronomy. If you do this and do this and do this, I'm going to bless you, bless you, bless you, bless you. If you just obey me. It had to do with their actions. Over in the New Testament, Jesus tweaked that. Just a small way, but in a big impact it's not just your actions, it's, it's about your heart. It's about your attitude. So over here in the Old Testament, thou shalt not commit murder. Boom. In the New Testament, Jesus goes, if you even hate your brother, you've committed murder. That's just as bad before God. You go, Ugh. that is a big deal. Because now it's not just a rule to follow, it's my heart. Over here, Jesus said, do not commit adultery. Adultery is sex outside your marriage vows. And in the New Testament, Jesus said, or Moses said that. God gave that law to Moses. Jesus says in the New Testament, guys, don't even look on a woman with lust or you've committed adultery. Girls, that goes for you too. Jesus is concerned with our heart. He's concerned with our attitude. Now tell me, which one is more difficult? Our actions are easier to control because we can become these little Pharisees and that's what happened to the whole nation of Israel. They just became little rule followers. And Jesus goes, I don't want that. I want you. I want, you. I want your hearts. And over here they had to tithe. They had certain tithes and things that they had to bring in. And Jesus said in the New Testament, give and it will be given unto you. Good measure, pressed down, shaken together, 
running over. All right. If you had a box of cornflakes, I was going to give you a box of cornflakes. And all of a sudden, they were magically little flakes of gold. They looked just like cornflakes, but they were gold. Would you want that box of gold cornflakes like you get it at the grocery store where it's only half empty, I mean half full? (laughs) Or do you want it pressed down, shaken together, pressed down, running over? Do you want that kind of box of gold? This is what Jesus said. Give, and it shall be given unto you. Good measure, pressed down, shaken together, running over. And it's not just money. He's talking about love. He's talking about peacemakers. He's talking about justice, and he's talking about mercy. He's talking about freely giving, because nobody gave more freely than Almighty God. In John 3.16, the Bible says that for God so loved the world, that's you, that's me, It's not the earth. He loved people. For God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten son that whosoever, that is such a broad invitation, whosoever believes in him should not perish but have everlasting life. That's his invitation to you today. I encourage you to say yes to Jesus. Right where you're seated, you can right now. There's no magic potion or formula or spiritual words that you say. It's your heart that Jesus desires. When you say, yes, Lord Jesus, I make you Lord of my life. I I repent of my sin. I'm so sorry for my sin. Thank you for dying on the cross for my sin. Thank you for rising up after three days like you said you would and showing who you are, almighty God. Thank you for giving me real life, new life. Thank you for giving me a future. Thank you for giving me fellowship and joy in the body. Thank you for all these things, God. I want to live for you from this point on. And if you don't remember all that stuff, just say what that guy up there said just now. I believe that. And I take you as my Lord and Savior, Lord Jesus. I remember about three years ago, two and a half years ago, I said something kind of like that. And in the, cup, in the audience was a couple by the name of Jeff and Janelle. And I said, if you said that for the first time before the Lord, I want you to give me a big hug at the door out there. So they both came to the door, gave me the biggest hug from both sides, and said, we said yes to Jesus today, and we meant it. About six or eight months later, Jeff passed away. Suddenly, 41 years old. And right now, he's in the presence of Almighty God. Because he said yes to Jesus. I want to encourage you, don't delay. We don't know the timetable in our life. I want to encourage you, please say yes to Jesus today. And if you said yes to Jesus today, right now, while you're seated, with your eyes open, and you meant it, come and tell me at the door, all right? Father, we thank you for your word. We thank you that you've given us so much. Lord, I thank you that your word is true, and you've called us to live generosity lifestyles. God, we want to follow you and acknowledge you as our source and the owner of everything that we have. In Jesus' name, amen.